you are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. This is our review of Voyagers. This is our best chance to find a habitable planet. We breed and raise our own crew. Three. Train them in isolation to prepare them for life in space. Two. The voyage will take 86 years. I'm scared. Of what? There's nothing to be scared of. You are the link between past and future generations. And have been entrusted with the survival of our species. We're normal kids. Sensitive and smart. I need to protect them. There's a toxin in the water. It's coming from us. We're we eating something toxic. It's the blue. It's medication. Blue. To decrease pleasure. Blue. I'm not drinking it. What does it feel like to feel something? You're not feeling what I'm feeling. What's going on? They're drugging us. To prevent exactly this kind of thing from happening. System restarting. We won't ever see the planet. I want to be honest with them. About everything. He can't protect you. Protect us from what? astronauts on a multi-generational mission descend into paranoia and madness not knowing what is real or not the film is starring ty sheridan lily rose depp fion whitehead and colin farrell it is written and directed by neil berger and here to join me today for this podcast review i have josh parham hello hello and also today we have two guests joining us first up Returning to the show for the first time since Spider-Man Far From Home's podcast review from Cinemania World, we have Dwayne Miller. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you back on the show. Thank you very, very much for that. And then also for the first time joining the show film from Filmotomy, we have Allison McCullough. Hello. How's it going? It's going really well. We're very, very excited to have you on, Allison. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks. I'm happy to be here, too. So... Talking about a science fiction film that is set in space. Um, it's it's funny because <laughs> you guys see that uh, that viral tweet that went out about horror films set in space this past week. Oh my oh. god! Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I I couldn't help but just think about that while watching this movie at times. But we're not gonna go into that necessarily. What I really want to get into here is I really want to talk about Lord of the Flies. I'm sorry, I mean Voyagers. <laughs> I want to talk a bit about. Um, Neil Berger and where he's at in his career. I want to talk about where some of these actors are at in their careers doing this movie. And also, too, at the end of the day, I don't know if there's much to necessarily dissect with this movie. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. I'm sure we'll get into it whether we like it or not, regardless. But it's the biggest release of the weekend. So that's why we're here right now. So in that context, in this setup, 
tossing it over first to Allison. Allison, what did you think, initial thoughts of Voyagers? Well, I was kind of excited to see it because of the cast, but um, it fell really flat for me. And it, it was too bad because um, you could tell by some reactions from other people, like, oh, no, this is probably not going to be as good as I thought. Mm-hmm. But I caught like a little thing with the director, and he said he wrote the script a long time ago, and I don't even think he was excited about it anymore. Just a producer got in touch with him and was like, hey, let's do that script you were working on. And then he was like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm doing nothing else at the moment. So just the lack of excitement from the director kind of like bleeds on over to like the project itself. It's just like no one was really excited about it. It kind of fell flat. Um, with the Lord of the Flies comparison, like um, I see the comparison, but young me- women were thrown into the mix and it got kind of complicated. Um, I guess I want to talk about that later, though. Sure, sure. I completely understand that. And, you know, you mentioned before, like, you know, Neil Berger wasn't really doing much. And, you know, he has done billions. He did the upside, which got a delayed release um, and came out much later than it was supposed to. And, you know, I guess you're right in between there uh, is Voyagers. But here's a guy whose career started off with The Illusionist, uh, The Lucky Ones and Limitless. Then he goes off and does Divergent. And it's just been a very interesting trajectory overall where I don't necessarily know if he has found his stride or his voice, if you will, in terms of the types of stories that he wants to tell. But. We'll get into that in a little bit here, because I think that there are some interesting thematic things going on within Voyagers uh, that are deprived of good execution. Dwayne, what about you? What did you think of this movie? Yeah, as um, as Allison said, I, I, I actually was looking forward to it, surprisingly. I didn't see any of the marketing. All I saw was the trailer, and I'm always someone who's very... I mean, not the trailer, I'm sorry, the poster. I'm always someone who uh, a poster can really like strike me as far as like how it looks and uh, can pique my excitement and this was one of those uh, this is one of those occasions i saw the poster the vibrant colors the uh the the tagline and i said oh i wonder what this is about looks like euphoria but in space let's see what happens here um and then uh, after watching it um while maybe when we were like halfway in i was just like i don't know what is going on here so i wasn't i wasn't really a big fan of the movie at all i uh I just I think a lot of the themes they tackle in this movie and a lot of the choices as far as script writing uh, really felt dated. Uh, it didn't feel like it felt like a movie or just like dialogue that 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 from like a 2003 film. And I wasn't really a fan of how a lot of things played out with the characters. I felt I, I felt a lot of the characters were very dull. Um, a lot of the performances was very dull um directing wise i just nothing really stood out to me so yeah i wasn't i wasn't that bit a bit of that big of a fan i guess i i probably enjoyed the first five minutes as far as setup goes but then when we're in space it's like really really outlandish stuff so not a big fan of the movie gotcha gotcha what about you josh what did you think i have seen the movie a couple days ago at this point and to be honest with you, I am like struggling to remember it. <laughs> it's very, very dull, as everybody has said already. And I think that is the biggest problem with it is that it doesn't ever feel that inventive or creative. And we've already mentioned the Lord of the Flies kind of comparison. And I think that's like the basic plot of it for sure. But 
there's nothing that they even throw into that to make it any bit more interesting or intriguing than what we've really seen before, not only from that kind of story, but other space movies. And I just find that a lot of this movie just did not present anything that entertaining to me. I think that most of these performances are pretty wooden, and I think you could trace that back to just not having that great material. Um, I think there's one interesting performance in Ty Sheridan, but for the most part, the movie is just really flat and find that there's really anything unique to this film. And it just really like dissipates as soon as you are done watching it. So as if it just like floats off in the space, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the setup of this movie, Earth is dying. Duh. Had to hop on a ship and discover a new planet and a new planet has been discovered. The uh, obstacle here is that it will take 86 years to reach this new planet in the year 2063. So everyone that's aboard this ship is going to die on the voyage. And as a result, they have to reproduce and their grandchildren will be the ones to discover this planet and hopefully save the human species. Colin Farrell's in a very interesting uh, position here because he's the only person who was never born on the ship. He's the person that had a life on Earth, left that behind, and is actually acting as kind of like the uh, caregiver, if you will, uh, to all of these children who grow up. And of course, when they become teenagers, young adults, that's when they start acting all rebellious and, you know, we start getting this uh, faction split between uh, different groups and they start getting torn apart by paranoia, fear, hormones, who the hell knows. There's a lot going on here. And I actually think that the premise itself is very interesting. And I was genuinely excited when it first started. I did think it was moving a little bit too fast in the beginning because a lot of um, the premise of the movie I found actually to be more interesting than the overall execution of the story that Neil Berger wanted to tell. Mm -hmm. But this whole setup of having to go on a space mission and this is the problem that we're going to run into is that it's going to take this long to get there. Um, no one's going to be like cryogenically frozen or put into some sort of a deep sleep for many, many years and they're going to suddenly emerge uh, intact, if you will. So there's none of that going on here. Instead, it's just full on. We have to find a way to create a life, a civilization, and these characters are going to have to learn social behaviors. They're going to have to learn how to coexist. They're going to have to learn these routine maintenance, um, 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 these routine maintenance uh, tasks that they have to do on the ship. And all of that, I was like, wow, I'm like really, really into this setup. And then I, I guess once the uh, regular cast gets introduced, Ty Sheridan, Lily Rose Depp, Fionn Whitehead, all of them, that's when the movie just started to lose me. Once it started going into its whole division of the, the, the crew and so on and so forth, I just completely lost interest at that point. Like the second half of this movie, or maybe even the... <laughs> So the back 75% of it is all kind of a blur to me a little bit because the storytelling just became so formulaic that uh, to, to the point that everyone has said here, um, it was just dull and it didn't stick with me. And it's so blunt is the thing. Oh, God. It's so heavy handed in its script. Yeah, oh, there's was, no nuance yeah. to it at all. None. I mean, Agreed. not to mention, too, there's uh, 
there, there's, there's a lot of other stuff going on here in terms of, I don't know about you guys, but did you guys uh, catch some of these really poor editing choices oh, that yeah. would happen throughout the movie? The amount of like quick, I, I mean, this, this movie does have a running with that, you know, the, you know, the infamous Bohemian Rhapsody um, editing scene that everyone posts. Like there's a couple of moments like that in the movie where it's just like, like eight cuts and like one and like one, one minute scene or something like that. A lot of weird choices, even the one, there's like a moment where like something happens with the, the the students or kids in the movie, and then once they realize something, they do this like montage of different things, and I'm like, what? I don't know. <laughs> I, oh, oh, like the scene where uh, they're wrestling each other. Yeah, and so weird. Yeah, and Fionn Whitehead's character is like, yeah, and then it cuts to them running through the hallways, and you're like, wait, w- wait. W- What's going on? <laughs> like, I I have no idea. That's where I was just like baffled at some of the choices. I want to mention something that you mentioned about how once they started mm-hmm. getting into the actual characters, you know, like Ty Sheridan and all of them, I call that the once they get into the YA point of the movie as far as feeling like all of those other Divergent and this movie and Maze Runner, even though I'm a fan of that first Maze Runner, but like it, it, it immediately... When I got it, like, like like I said, I didn't I didn't look at any marketing unless I was the poster. So I was liking what they were setting up here, as far as Colin Farrell and a lot of the other character, a lot of the um, Earth people. Can we just say though that Colin Farrell is, I, I think, terribly miscast here. Yeah, because there's a, there's some stuff with him and Lily Rose Depp, and I said. Okay, um, that's a choice. That that's where I come. That's where I feel like the it's movie. not even that. It's like I just don't buy Colin Farrell with this cool haircut that he's been rocking for the last you know however many years of his life as this scientist astronaut. And I'm just like, like I'm sorry, I'm just not buying it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. It just feels like he's kind of just here. He's just going by the motions. He knows what he has to do. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, it was a pay. It was it was a paycheck for him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he needed a check, I guess. Yeah, it kind of fell flat to me. I just kind of tried to ignore him as much as possible. Just like okay, and then he's kind of the unintended like messiah type, and I was just like, what is going on with this character? Mm-hmm. You know. So, um, and I, yeah, and he's spouting all this philosophical stuff, and it just. It just didn't ring true to me, but, you know, I, I'm going to confess something right now. I'm not a huge science fiction fan, and I'm not a huge um, Colin Farrell fan, but that's the thing. Like, I'll always check out, like, the top science fiction films because uh, if they're good, I'll like them, you know? Of course, yeah. So, but this is kind of like, uh, just shaky uh, with the philosophy, with uh, the execution. I mean— in terms of the philosophy of the movie, I, I did like a couple of different things that were at play here in regards to, you know, nobody choosing what they're born into in terms right. of life circumstances. Um, I A lot of these are, are literally said verbatim in the movie because of how blunt the script is, as mentioned before. But mm. I, I liked the ideas in theory it's just this execution of having to state the film's themes through dialogue uh, was something that I just found to be incredibly lazy. Uh, but then there's other stuff going on here about like using fear to divide people. And they use yeah. this concept of the alien to do that here. Um, there's also 
a bit of an uh, examination of fragile male egos and how that will drive people crazy. I kind of actually started to almost look at it from a political lens mm -hmm. oh, sure. of how people's insecurities, um, when they're in positions of power, they'll use fear to divide people and bring people to their side because they can't deal with the fact that they, you know, <laughs> in Fionn Whitehead's case, uh, Zach, as he is in this movie, he, he he's upset that he can't get with... Um, Lily Rose's Depp's character, so he creates this whole big lie uh, because he just can't handle his own, you know, insecurity of the matter. And it's like, man, I we see this play out in real life on a daily basis, I feel like. And I just felt like there was such potential there. Agreed. I feel like so much of those, like, potential story elements, though, they're just, like, so underdeveloped. I don't find that there's even all that much... Interesting stuff there that we really haven't seen already, to be honest. And Fionn Whitehead, I did not really care for in this movie. He's not my least favorite performance, but not a fan. Yeah, I thought that he was well cast in regards to, like, he looks like he can definitely play this type of role, but I think he was just hurt once again by this script. And there were just some scenes where he's coming off as creepy, but not in a good way, just in a genuinely creepy sort of way. <laughs> You know, yeah. in, in a very uncomfortable way that is not good for the story, but one that is more distracting than anything. The political element, too. Um, they hold an election and then Zach declares himself the chief officer, despite the election results being different. So that yeah. kind of um, reminded me of Trump a little bit. I'm not even sure if that's what they intended because the script was written before, like right. all the craziness. But um, yeah, definitely. And I was trying to figure out, like, would these people blindly follow Zach and be like, oh, yes, you're our leader. I mean, we obviously saw that in America happen. Well, the only way that makes sense for me here and the only way that I was able to buy it a little bit was these are not what I would call well-educated people. They're right. manufactured on this ship, uh, taught in a way where, yeah, I'm sure they, they understand basic human history, uh, basic human emotions. I, I Like anything you can learn in a school textbook, I'm sure that they've been fed all this information, but that can't replace actual human contact and being out in the world and experiencing real world events and culture and so on and so forth. So in that right. regard, I did kind of buy that these uh, young characters would all be like, blind followers uh with very very little evidence to to have to sway them you know right although they did all vote for christopher ty sheridan's character so i so i thought why are they choosing christopher and then be like oh okay we'll go along with zach you know yeah but yeah i, I do see your point and that was also the thing a lot of people were saying uh with the consent issue like oh they weren't taught consent because they had the blue juice so of course everyone tried to like um, push Lily Rose Depp against the wall. Like even the Christopher character, she's like, why are you on me? It's like, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I just find it uncomfortable that a male yeah. would create this situation, this world where it's like, oh, well, they weren't taught consent. Well, why would you create a universe like that? You know? Uh, and I mean, and if you're going to go that far with it too, right. and like actually go examine it, make this a hard R and just kind of make this a really 
intense movie. I would say just go all the way with it because yeah. half-assing it like this right. and having this unfulfilling writing that doesn't explore such a triggering topic like this is not doing anybody any favors. Because everything was so rushed, I feel like. The movie's about an hour 47, and once we're like 20 minutes in, I'm like, okay, we got we got through like three stages already. I think first this would have been better, better set as a TV series um, because then you can explore a lot of those themes. Like even by the end and they're like, you know, fast forwarding time, it feels very rushed. And going back to um, going back to some of the writing choices as far as when it came to women in this uh, movie, um, I, I just wasn't a fan. I, 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 I get. I, on our review yesterday, I get the idea of, oh, you know, they're kids and they've been on this stuff. They don't know consent. But it just felt so ham-fisted when uh, I'm watching this. And then I have – I in my mind, I'm just like, okay, a, a writer slash director wrote a, a scene where – uh, Theon, what's his name? Theon Whitehead just goes up to Lily Rose Depp and just starts groping her, and I just didn't like any of that type of stuff in this. And it happens more than once too. I feel like you've done it once, you got your point across, but then he kept doing that trope, and I yeah. didn't really like that idea. I, I get it from a standpoint of like, let's establish this guy as the villain and let's have right. him do a pretty disgusting and horrible thing. But the thing that I couldn't understand and I couldn't wrap my head around was. If they're if they've all been taking this this, uh, you know, medication, this uh, this blue drink or whatever it is, why isn't Ty Sheridan also like this? Exactly. You know, they grew up in the same environment. What makes him the good one and what makes uh, Fion Whitehead the bad one? You know what actually separates the two? And the movie doesn't ever explore that. Wouldn't it be human nature um, to default to having them all be primal and having them all want to reproduce and to have them all be a bunch of douchebags, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I just feel like the movie was just like moving as far as just length and speed and different plot points and stuff. So it was just very all over the place as far as the um, the film editing. Maybe they could have, uh, you know... <laughs> Spent a little less time cutting to that shot of the camera going down the hallway in the movie. Oh, my God. It's like four <laughs> they times. Must, they must have returned to that shot, like, what, seven times? Yeah, it's like four times it happened. And I'm like, oh, my God. At a certain point, I, I thought to myself, man, did they just have this one hallway and they just kept shooting yeah. it from different angles, probably? <laughs> you yeah, know, I, that's what I was thinking when I was looking at the movie and I was like, OK, uh, what's the what's what's the budget here? I was looking as if like, all right, we had the cool shots of the ship outside, but the ship. The scale of the ship it feels like it's two rooms, two rooms and a hallway in the cafeteria. And my God, too, so claustrophobic. Those hallways are not they're they're not thick. And then you, you expect <laughs> me to believe that, like, could like, you know, hundreds of people are going to populate this ship. And I'm seeing like one hallway. Everyone's <laughs> clustered. Then we're seeing kids. And then they keep they keep showing the shot of the spaceship outside you know like the and i'm like oh it looks massive and then you get in there it's like a two by two i just didn't get it it's like it's like a new york apartment it looks big yeah. on the outside you get inside and it is crammed uh yeah the, the look of this movie is not that great it, it looks very cheap in my opinion i will say though the one technical element of this movie that was a saving grace for me and i actually thought was doing uh quite a bit of heavy lifting at times was uh the score by uh trevor uh Gorekis. It had like a Blade Runner feel to it at times that 
I, you know, just from a personal standpoint, I was like, oh, I kind of dig this style of music. And I'm not saying it's like a great score or anything like that, but it was much better than I expected it to be, at least. Yeah, I, there was a lot of moments in the movie as far as the score. There's a lot of times where the score definitely does help uh, the atmosphere of the movie and stuff. Uh, I also like. Uh, I, I wish there was more like of the 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 color balance, like more colors in this. I feel like it was very like very monochrome. Yeah, and blue. That's all I saw. Yeah, and I, and I get the you know they're taking the blue, but like everything was like felt blue. The hallway was like a like a tint of white and blue. Um, because I once again I'm going back to this poster and I'm like that's what I I just expected a mat like a a bunch of neon colors and stuff and even the logo is in neon and it's I'm I'm thinking it's gonna be this vibrant film full of uh, teenagers and color and it it was for like a minute and then it turned into some sci-fi thriller kind of thing and i just didn't understand where that came from guns and this and aliens i was this is weird now greetings from evergreen podcasts we're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you the information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers i know most people don't like ads but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. I can think, I don't know if we're at this point of the podcast yet, but I can think of a bunch of other films that did it better, like they were talking about limited resources and then you see Matt Damon and The Martian. He grew his own potatoes. And if they were going to send these kids up there for years, like what, 86 years? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like they would have to find a way to like regenerate food. Like what? You're telling me there's enough food on that ship to last 86 years and they're worried about, you know, depleting resources and oops, a fridge or a freezer went out and oops, we're going to have to eat all this food, you know, that was 
what supposed to last them for years or something like, yeah i know yeah. yeah it's like I, okay how are they going to replenish that I never got the survivalist kind of feel from the movie too. Like, I, like, like you mentioned, right. the Martian. There were so many moments where you feel claustrophobic with uh, your main, the protagonist, and you, you, you're kind of worrying about him. Okay, I also, I don't know if, if I missed something here. Just my main thing with the movie was Colin Farrell's point was just I want to go up and be there and whatever. I just don't get the thought process of this major mission. Sending one adult? <laughs> I, yeah. It's like, what if he gets up there and he just has a stroke? Yep. Then what? I also I also looked at it from this standpoint, too, because this bothered me. <laughs> I was like, why are they not sending up two ships? Like, God forbid there's a malfunction with the one ship, and let's say they're 53 years into the mission. Well, got to start all over again. <laughs> like, I was befuddled. And then I was, like, looking. I'm like, did I – I rewound. I, 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 rewound. I did. Because I was like, okay, there's no way he's by himself up there. And he's the one communicating with Earth. I just can't imagine this massive Earth is going to blow up or whatever – and we got a we got a fella who's gonna go up there with these kids. Not just any fella. This is bullseye that's going up with them. Okay. <laughs> no. Well, but I was just like, I don't. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, I guess he was supposed to teach the children. Yeah. I mean, exactly. You know. But then the other thing that I, you know, I I did appreciate was that we were able to get um, a diverse cast out of this, uh, which on paper I was looking at, you know, some of the people that were in this, like Shantae Adams or uh, Vivek uh, Kyra from uh, Blinded by the Light, and I was like, oh, this is excellent, like great, you know, we have some uh, diverse cast members in in this uh, movie here, but the movie doesn't do anything with them, and in the case of like. Shantae Adams as Phoebe, I mean, what they do of her is almost like downright uh, insulting, I think, at times. Yeah. Listen, there's lines in here for her character. And then I was, okay, so she's flat out in the movie called a pig. Yeah. All right. So I was told that, hey, that's a direct reference to whatever, the Lord of the to, Flies. To uh, uh, Piggy from uh, Lord of the Flies. I said, great. That sucked still because they keep calling her fat and they keep calling her names and she gets killed. And then every other person of color here is very just useless. Yeah, they got nothing to do. <laughs> They're kind of in this one uh, uh, POC character who's just a dumb side kick to uh, Theon. And he's just saying these like he's just a he's a bozo. And then uh Quintessa, who I'm a fan. I forget what was the thing that I know her from, but I think she was on, uh, I believe it was uh, Trinkets or something like yeah, that. Trinkets, yeah, Trinkets, yep. She's on Trinkets, and I'm a fan of her there. She's kind of just here to use as like a person who goes along with Theon's character as far as you can do whatever to me. It was just really strange. I, I just... I just didn't vibe with any of the... Any no, of I thought the optics of it all were pretty poor overall, yeah. and... Josh, you mentioned in your opening thoughts that you actually thought that Ty Sheridan was giving a somewhat decent performance in this. You want to elaborate on that? I just thought he was the only one that brought any kind of nuance to his portrayal. Everybody else was so flat and boring. And not that he was amazing, but he was the only one that I thought, OK, I kind of see you trying to give someone of a decent performance here. Anyone agree? I uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I just thought the only person that I thought that was trying to do something 
even when I was watching, even when I watched the trailer after the movie was Colin Farrell, even though he's still wooden. But uh, oh yeah, I very much disagree with that. I, he looks so bored the, I, throughout this yeah, whole movie. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know. I just thought, okay, he's an experienced actor. No, nope. I, I disagree. I think that he's, once again, terribly miscast. And I think that he is doing literally the bare minimum. Uh, honestly, just saying these lines. like And like I said, no effort is put in to even make him believable in the part. You know, it's like the way that his uh, character is in, um, I don't know, like the killing of a sacred deer, uh, just from an appearance standpoint, was more believable to me than he is as, you know, like he just it just looks like Colin Farrell, <laughs> you know, like superstar actor Colin Farrell, like just going up and like there's no no real work or effort being put into making this any be like believable at all. Um, so, yeah, I disagree. I disagree. I think everybody in this movie is kind of either lost because of the screenplay or they're phoning it in. Yeah, and I think when it comes to Ty Sheridan too, because um, I, I actually like I, I like Ty Sheridan. I liked him in the X Men movies. I liked him in Ready Player One. But in this movie, he does play the typical lead, is attractive. He say the lead boy kind of stuff. Like we gotta stop this, or we gotta protect something. You know, I don't think anyone was given much to really do as far as like progressive you know to, to progress their character and uh, okay maybe y'all are right about colin farrell i'm just a fan okay. and i just blindly <laughs> i blindly just support him well at least so you're admitting I, it so i'll I, give I you love, that i love him in like fright night and when he's going all camp and then fantastic beasts and stuff like that but yeah agree and i'm excited to see him in the batman but yeah of, of course in here i'm just like okay this is a very bruce willis in the death wish kind of performance where you just let me just do what i gotta do and just vanish out of here so I get you. Also, too, shout out to my boy, Brandon Stark. Him and his one scene, too. I was like, OK, all right. Yep. <laughs> I see what's going on. That here. kid is way too tall for every set that he walks onto. Well, because he's sitting <laughs> down in a lot of the Game of Thrones and you stand, he stands up and it's like, oh, OK, you're tall. Allison, do you have any final thoughts? Anything you want to add to Voyager? Something that we didn't mention or you want to go a little bit deeper into? I do want to comment on the performances because, uh, you know, you, they had a really strong cast. But I think the thing that was lacking was the script because it's like, you know, like especially Lily Rose Depp, she was just kind of like sitting there and she she didn't really um, give her consent to anybody really at first. And um, so she's just sitting there like there's a lack of desire. So I'm like, it's one thing if you don't give your consent. It's, it's another thing. It's like. Well, what does she want? We we don't know because she's never really her her character is never really explored. The script gives her nothing, and the script really gives nobody else anything either. So you know, like you were saying with Ty Sheridan, he's just kind of like, okay, let's do this. And then when Zach rises up, he's kind of like, okay, like I'm gonna try to stop him, but up oh, he's kind of taking over right now. So it's kind of like, yeah, the the pacing is just like not, and the tension was just. Uh, not there. You know, that's one of the things that I'm a little worried about with an upcoming film called The Last Duel, where oh. two men are fighting over <laughs> uh, a woman. I'm just like really worried it's going to fall into this territory where the woman is just not explored, not given any depth. And she really her only purpose in the movie is to be fought over <laughs> as an object between these two opposing men. Right. That's that's like my biggest fear about that movie. So. 
I highly doubt anyone's listening that's involved with that project, but please don't fall into that trap. Oof, yeah, please don't. I just, uh, I was saying, I was saying yesterday too on 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 the show that I think stories like this and just, I think we're really past it. Like we, it's, we're decades past this. I think it's time to just move on. But I want to be clear, though. It's not even. It's here's the thing, though. It's we're past the execution of how to how to make stories like this. Did, I don't think that this movie, from a thematic standpoint, um, it c- could not be made. I think it totally could have been made, but I think that you have to change how you choose to uh, execute a story like this. Yeah. You know, that 2003 or whatever, like, era of storytelling isn't going to fly in 2021. So you need to uh, give more depth to these characters. You need to really go deeper into some of these themes that you're presenting on the surface here. You, You can't just chalk it up to young adult hormones and you're hoping that if you have an attractive young cast that'll be enough to get you know teenagers in the seats and you know box office results and who cares how we got there yeah you know like that i just i think audiences are much more intelligent now and we're craving a lot more because we've seen this done to death but to say that this can't be made um from a story standpoint I, i i actually disagree with that i think all stories can still be told it's just all a matter of how they're executed yeah, I would agree too. I'm also another thing too with this movie. I'm I'm totally surprised that a celebrity like a like a like a singer wasn't <laughs> cast in the film. It seems like one of those because they probably read the script and went, "Oh no." <laughs> yeah, you know. And I think when you said about execution, I think you're right. I think something like this could be done, but you got to give me more than "Oh, I'm horny." Yeah. I mean, that's Zach's pure motivation in this movie is I'm horny. Oh, I didn't get the girl. I'm going to do some fucked up shit. I just think you're I think I think writers have developed more, um, you know, and I think we can do more stories than just that, because that's all it felt like was, okay. this they're they're all they don't have their hormones. Now they got them and now they're wrestling. I actually kind of liked that kind of stuff as far as the non weird stuff with the women when they're like when they were doing the little wrestling scene. I, I, it was a little I mean, they both were acting it really badly, but I liked the idea of okay they're grappling and like we're getting some type of excitement here and stuff and then you know the male alpha kind of thing over overpowers them both i i liked stuff like that those kind of themes but then uh, they just go do other stuff and it's it's not really focused upon josh what do you think final thoughts most of it has been said this movie is just so dull and really repetitive in the third act. Like the finale is not that interesting. And it just felt like we we're seeing the same scene over and over again. And yeah, like I said, it's like leaving my brain even as we're talking about it. <laughs> Only got to hold on to it for a few more minutes here, Josh. Uh, so, Allison, <laughs> what grade out of 10 would you give to Voyagers? And since this is your first time here on the show, oh. no point fives. Oh, okay. Oh, I wasn't going to give it a 0.5 or anything. It didn't deserve a 0.5. But uh, yes, uh, thanks for the clarification. Five out of 10 (laughs) for me, which it kind of disappoints me because there are some people who rated it um, less than that, um, like on Letterboxd. And I'm kind of disappointed that I I didn't rate it less than five out of 10. But I like that you're sticking with your guns, though, on that one and standing by your rating, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we reserve the right sometimes, I think, after an initial viewing, especially on this show. I've had multiple scenarios where we talk about a movie and I, my rating changes mid-podcast. I'm like, oh, I headed into <laughs> this, like, planning to give this 
uh, this grade, but after talking through with you guys, now I've changed it to this. So um, I admire that you're at least sticking with it here. Dwayne, what about you? Uh, well, uh, yeah, thank you again for having me. I, I think there's a story here. It's, and it just like you said, Matt, it just wasn't executed well. If you had another director, if you had another writer, maybe it could have been. Um, but I mean, but I, I even like some of Neil's stuff, so I'm not sure what really went wrong here. So uh, out of 10, I'd probably go with I'll go right under Allison and give it a four. OK. And Josh, what about you? I'm going to give it a five out of 10 also. It's not terrible, but just very unremarkable. See, I, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised by the fives here because I feel like not much has been said in terms of why it's mixed for you guys and not negative. Well, I, th- I think that it's like it's not a good movie, but I didn't feel like I had a terrible time with it. I was just bored by it to me. Mm hmm. And that's like very, you know, like if somebody is interested in this material, I'm sure that there's something that they can get out of it. But I just don't think there's anything that there's like nothing in the movie that's really damning, but nothing that's extraordinary either. It just sort of is. I'll give you a little bit of credit here because that does influence, I think, my rating, which is a four out of ten. It is an extremely weak four out of ten. But I have to agree with you that I wasn't like upset while watching it because I think something about the themes of the movie and what it was trying to say were still interesting enough to me and got my brain working in a way where I was at least somewhat compelled by what was happening on screen. It's a mixed bag for sure, but one that definitely leans in negative territory and does not lean in neutral or positive territory for me. Yeah, like, I'm not going to have an argument about this one. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is like, I'm just tired. Yeah. <laughs> Can <we> go now? <laughs> this was not the horny Twinks in Space movie I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> go all full euphoria if we're going to go there. That's what I'm saying, yeah. I realized the movie had a PG-13. I said, what? Okay. Like, just go, <laughs> just go hard. Just go all the way, you know? Don't hold back. Take on the criticism that you'll get for it. You know, all the thing pieces. You know, we live in a time where any press is good press, you know, and if you've got people talk about why your movie's problematic, yeah. at least have them say it's problematic but interesting. Instead, this is problematic and boring. Yeah, <laughs> Sam, Sam Levinson could never. You yeah, no, Sam Levinson could because he does. <laughs> That's why I'm like, Sam Levinson, he would have went to full R and he would have just. Oh, my God. Sam Levinson's version of this movie would have been like. Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, I, and I'm a, I'm a secret like I I like Euphoria for what it is. So if put him on this movie, I feel like I would have been way more interested. And I, I also think it would have been better as a series too. Anyway, like a six part series or something like that. All right. Well, usually at this point in the show, we usually talk about uh, if there's any Oscar potential or anything like that. But as Josh and I know all too well, we are in the middle of April, <laughs> and that kind of talk doesn't usually fly at this time of year. So. No Oscar potential for this movie, and I know that no one here is going to contradict me on that. So I will just say, Allison, Dwayne, thank you both so much for being here today. Allison, we'll start off with you. For everyone that's listening right now, tell them where they can find you on the internet. Sure. On Twitter, I'm Allisonema, A-L-L-I Cinema. And on uh, Letterboxd, I'm Allison M. Uh, my handle is Allison, A-L-L, I'm sorry, A-L-L-A-S-O-N-C-M. And you have quite a following on both of those accounts there. So I would urge people that are listening right now to help that grow even more because you're doing something right, Allison. 
Uh, thanks, Matt. Dwayne, what about you? All right. Uh, thank you again for having me. I really appreciate coming on the uh, Next Best Picture podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Cinemaniac94. And as far as my podcast, it's Cinemania World. Uh, where we do a bunch of shows every week. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Cinemania World. All right. Josh Parham. And you can just find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Voyagers here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars. Leave us a comment there. Anything less than five stars is unacceptable. And if you want to, you know, take that a step further, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.